Amen. Amen. If you're thankful for Blessed Assurance, can you say amen today? And uh, I tell you, I'm so grateful uh, for that. And if you don't have assurance, you can leave here with assurance uh, here today. Well, listen, it is so good uh, to see. If you're excited to be at church, can you say amen? And uh, it was a little bit cold out this morning, wasn't it? And I had some frost uh, outside and a little bit chilly. How many of you like the cold weather? Raise your hand. Okay, several of us in here. How many of you despise it? I want to see who you are. And uh, so uh, so you were not too happy this morning, and uh, I get it, And uh, so, but it, it is all good. It is so good to see you uh, here today, and uh, because we, we extended our stage out uh, for the next several weeks. So if you're new to, to our church, uh, this is normal around this time of year uh, because we have um, our Christmas cantata. I know Pastor Bailey uh, mentioned our cantata and uh, this Christmas production that we do, and uh, we would love for you to be a part of that. So we extended our stage out, so me and my family sat over here because the only steps to get up here are on this side, and uh, so I didn't want to have to walk all the way around. But I tell you, it gave me a good look at everybody out here that I never get to see, and uh, some of you were sleeping during the music this morning. I saw that. I'm just joking. That's a joke. And so, uh, but no, it, it is good sometimes to sit uh, over here and uh, get a little out of our routine. Well, I hope that you uh, had a good Thanksgiving uh, this past week. We had a house full of people all week. They left this morning early. And um, and so Sunday afternoon is looking really good. So this could be a this could be a short sermon. In fact, um, my house has just been wild all week long, and, uh, and we've had such a, a good time uh, with it, and uh, we enjoy uh, being able to host our, our family this time of year. But it was like 11 people uh, extra uh, in our house all week since Tuesday, and, um, and we had a good time, but there was very uh, little uh, time to kind of get uh, by yourself uh, in our house. And so yesterday I went to my room. It was the only place in our uh, house that wasn't loud and, and things like that. So I went back there with my laptop and, and my Bible and, and just was preparing for today. I was there for probably about maybe seven minutes or so until uh, these two little toddlers come. Just They didn't knock, obviously. <laughs> when you're a toddler, you don't knock. They just walked right into my room. I made a mistake of not locking it, and then they crawled uh, up in our bed and everything. And so I don't know what I'm going to say today. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. It doesn't matter. Somebody, I put that video up on Facebook about it and how chaotic it was me trying to study, and somebody said uh, on my Facebook feed, they said, well, this means probably a short sermon. And... Uh, and I, I'll be honest with you, I have more sermon illustrations than I've ever had before, so it could be longer. We do not know, and uh, but we're in this uh, together, and uh, I am so glad uh, that you are here. And I know we're turning the page now that Thanksgiving's behind us, and we should give thanks all the time. And now for some of you who have already decorated and got ready listening to Christmas music or whatever, we've judged you up until this point, and now it's full-blown. Go for it. As you can see around us, our decorations. I did want to recognize uh, Mindy Falk does that, and she handles that. And uh, so her and Tammy Haynes kind of put all this together along with our home ec class uh, here at Union Grove. Can we give all them just a hand and show them appreciation? And uh, they, do, they do such a good job uh, with everything around to make it look uh, good. And uh, I, appreciate, I appreciate them and, uh, and just their, their willingness to serve uh, here um, at church. So if you have your Bible today, and I hope that you do, John chapter number 20. John chapter number 20. 
And uh, we are in week number six of, of this series entitled Altered. Week number six. And uh, we are looking at uh, seven different encounters with Jesus throughout the Gospel of John. And uh, he records several different personal encounters uh, with Jesus. And so we've seen, uh, you know, the skeptical, uh, we've seen the curious, we've seen the sinful, we've seen the outcast. Uh, we've seen, and then today we're coming to John chapter 20, and we're going to see uh, the doubter, a uh, very familiar uh, passage of Scripture. And uh, as we continue this series, then next week will be uh, the final week in this series, and then we'll turn our uh, attention to Christmas uh, after that and be talking about the gift um, around uh, Christmas time. And uh, so you don't want to miss it. Uh, here, here today. But John chapter number 20, like I said, it's a very uh, powerful, uh, very familiar uh, passage of Scripture. Everybody in here is going to know this uh, well uh, here today, but I think it's uh, really, really important as, as Jesus encounters someone that was uh, that was doubting, someone that was doubting. Now, a little bit about about where we are up to this this point, because we've skipped uh, quite a bit of what's happened in the book of John. So, where you're going to pick up the story here in verse number 24 here today is right after, if you would, the resurrection. So, Jesus, up to this point, uh, he you know has has died. And now he has resurrected. He's revealed himself several different times to many different people. The scripture says he's revealed himself to over 500 people. He's revealed himself to the disciples multiple times. He revealed himself to Mary. And this is kind of on the tail end of a lot of that. And so Jesus has resurrected. And, and I want you to understand something very you know, important for us to get uh, here today about the resurrection. is for you and I, when we hear about Jesus... We know that Jesus ha has resurrected, and we believe that, okay? And we believe that. For them that day, they'd never seen anything like this. And, and so for them, they walked with Jesus, and, and, and he was walking on earth with them for many, many different years. And, and for many of them, when Jesus died, hope was very uncertain for them. So when Jesus was, was dead, the disciples were gathered and, and they were they thought, you know, this was the end, that, that everything that they had left behind to follow this man, they were just uncertain about what the future is going to hold. And, and then in John chapter number 20, we see Jesus as Mary Magdalene, and, and you can see that and you can read through it in your own time. Mary comes to the tomb and and he's not there, and, and you know, there's an angel above the sepulcher there, and so she goes and gets Peter, and, and then they run, and they find out, you know, he's not there. Peter actually goes inside the tomb. He's not there. All of his the grave clothes are, are there, and, uh, and they're wondering what is, what is going on. In fact, they felt, you know, they were weeping. Mary was because she felt somebody had took the took the body, and, and they didn't realize. So as much as we're going to look at another doubter, they were still a little uncertain at what happened when they showed up at the tomb that day. But then Jesus revealed himself to Mary, and, uh, and when he revealed himself to, to the disciples, when they were together, he said, Peace be unto you. And I think it's important, and that's interesting, that after someone resurrects from the dead, the first thing that they mentioned that Jesus said was peace. Because I'll tell you this, if you buried somebody days later and then they showed up with you in your house, you'd probably be a little 
little nervous, right? And, and so that's the first words out of Jesus' mouth. In fact, two different times here in John chapter 20, he says, peace be with you. And, and up to this point, you know, the disciples, they're like, man, Jesus has, has resurrected from the dead just like he said he was. But there was one disciple that was not with them up to this point. And that's the encounter that I want to look at here in verse number 24 of John chapter number 20. It says, but Thomas, and we all know Thomas as what? Doubting Thomas. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was, was not with them when Jesus came. So up to this point, remember, Jesus had revealed himself to, to all the disciples. So he had showed up when they were all gathered together and, and Thomas just happened not to be there. Now, we don't really know why. And, and so, I mean, I wonder, up to this point, was Thomas, because we're going to see that he just didn't believe it up to that point that Jesus had resurrected. We don't know if the reason why he wasn't gathered with the disciples is he was just discouraged and down and out. And he just was like, hey, I'm not going to go with you guys. I'm not going to be with y'all today. We don't really know. We don't know if he was just on a coffee run. We don't know, and that's a joke. But uh, here's the point. We really don't know why he wasn't there, but it's important as John is is remembering this account uh, because it's so important to you and to me. And I think we resonate and identify with Thomas more than we realize. So he's not with him. So verse number 25, the other disciples therefore said unto Thomas, we have seen the Lord. Here's what Thomas said, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Isn't that interesting? I love this story so much. And, and it's amazing. And here's why. is because like the disciples, they're like, Hey, Thomas, we've seen him. We've seen Jesus and Thomas responded, and before you kind of judge Thomas, he responded probably like every single one of us would have responded, right? He, he's like, wait a second, he's like, I don't believe you because I have not seen him, and until I do, in fact, I'll go as far to say that I want to touch his scars so that I can know that it, that it was him, and until that point... I will not believe. And the reason why he's thinking this way is because he's thinking like any of us. He was there just a, a, a few days before when, when Jesus, when they buried him. He was there. And, and he saw Jesus get taken off the cross, dead, and buried into that tomb. He was there. And so he just assumed that, that Jesus would do what, what all dead people do, and, and that is... Stay dead. So for him, he's thinking, you know, nah, I'm, I need to see him. I need to touch him so that I can know that it is him because I'm not believing until then. Verse number 26. So eight days later, uh, he's with his disciples again. And Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus. The door is being shut. And he stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. 
So here the disciples are gathered again eight days later. By the way, I'd encourage you if you're still you know, doubting or, or figuring out things. Here's what's really important. Thomas is up to this point, you know, he'd followed Jesus. He left everything to follow Jesus. And, and up to this point, he's still a little uncertain about the resurrection that Jesus, you know, had resurrected from the dead. But you know what's interesting? He did not disconnect from the community. He didn't disconnect from, from the disciples. In fact, eight days later, even though he's still figuring this thing out, even though he really is skeptical, doesn't believe, he's still doubting that Jesus resurrected from the dead, he still stayed a part of, of the disciples and, and their gathering. And so he's there and, and the doors were shut and Jesus showed up in the midst of them and said, peace be unto you. Verse number 27, then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy, thy finger and, and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And, and here's what's interesting. This is just a reminder that God is omniscient, that God knows all things. Because up to this point, Thomas had just told the disciples, he just told the disciples, hey, until I, until I touch him, until I see his side, I'm not going to believe. Jesus shows up, and he already knew that, because remember, God, Jesus was God in the flesh. He knew all things. He was full deity. So he says, you know, Thomas, remember you, you said this eight days ago when you were the, with with the disciples, why don't you reach hither your finger and thrust it into my side, into my hands? And then he makes this statement at the end of verse 27, be not faithless, but believing. Now I'll tell you this, that's an interesting phrase if you study that in the Greek. We're not going to get too deep into it, but here's what that literally means in the Greek. Here's what Jesus tells him. If you, re if you translated this straight into the Greek, it says, be not unbelieving, but believing. That's what, what Jesus was saying. And he says to Thomas, hey, be not unbelieving, but believing. And, and that's the question that for all of us in here, and so Thomas' response when he saw him, when he touched him, verse 28, Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. Jesus saith back unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Now, I want you to know Thomas, uh, you know, he gets a, a bad rap, but if you look throughout Scripture, Thomas he was subject to doubting or subject to looking at life through a pessimistic uh, perspective. He was a bit skeptical. You can see that not only here in John chapter number 20, but you can follow his story in John chapter number 11. I believe uh, John just wanted to mention this because I think, and I hope by the end of this, we can resonate to some degree with Thomas. But in John chapter number 11, Lazarus had just died. And remember that story, Jesus kind of tarried for a little while before he went, uh, you know, to raise Lazarus uh, back to life. And, and here's what's interesting. In John chapter number 11, verse 16, as Jesus is going to go spend some time with Mary and Martha, days after Lazarus has passed, Thomas says this, John chapter 11, verse 16, he says, let us go with him, with Jesus, and here's what he said, that we may die with him. 
In other words, he's just like, well, he's going to take us all. We're going to just die here together or whatever. That's a pretty pessimistic, skeptical individual. John chapter 14, right after the upper room experience when Jesus had predicted, you know, that somebody's going to betray him, one of his disciples, somebody's going to deny him. And it was all this stuff. And, and he starts out John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled, right? We all know that and we, we know those verses well. And he talks about going to prepare a place for them, the one disciple who stepped up and, and said something was Thomas. Here's what he says. He says in John chapter 14, Jesus, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? The point that I want you to understand today is that Thomas had this history of being a little bit skeptical or a little bit just doubting about what Jesus had come to do. Now, Thomas, he does get a bad rep. In fact, he was named, like you said a second ago, Doubting Thomas. He was named for his fault. Aren't you thankful that we're not named for our faults today? I'm thinking it's interesting if you look throughout Scripture, we don't name the other disciples. If anybody deserved a name for their fault, I feel like it'd be Peter, right? Right? We could name him a whole bunch of different things. You know, we could name him the guy that you know, cuts off people's ears and all this other things that, that Peter ha, has done. But we don't call Peter the denying Peter, do we? But we call Thomas doubting Thomas. And, and I think a lot of times he gets this bad rep in, in our world because of his doubt. But I bet you that you and I relate far more to Thomas than we, than we realize. I don't know if you've ever asked questions such as this. If if God is real, or, or say it this way, if God is love, why do bad things happen to good people? Isn't that a tough question? You ever been asked that by somebody outside the faith? But sometimes in our own life, we struggle with believing that. Or, or how about this to, to most of the church crowd? You ever thought about this? If God is real and God answers my prayer, and God says he's going to answer my prayer, why did I pray for healing and God decided not to heal? Listen, I know none of us are going to come out and say that we doubt, but a lot of us internally, we have these questions sometimes. Or, or how about this? If, if God is real and God is love, why are there so many you know, bad natural disasters or shootings or, or this and that earthquake, all these things that happen around us and, and innocent people are, are dying? Why in the world would these things happen if God is who he says he is? And so I think for many of us, we, we resonate more with the personality of Thomas than we realize. And so for the few moments that we have, I don't want you to just look and be like, Ooh, I'm glad I'm not Thomas. I don't ever doubt. I'm good. I, I, I just wake up every day and I believe everything and I don't have a problem with it and I never have questions in my, my faith. But, but here's the big idea that from this story is this idea. And this is what I want to talk about for a couple minutes today. Faith, in fact, you can say saving faith, is accepting what you cannot understand on the basis of what you can understand. Now, I want to explain that for a few moments here today. Thomas realized this. 
You see, Thomas didn't have all the answers. Thomas didn't have all the answers to the questions that he was asking a lot of times. But he knew one thing, and this is what he found out today. And the one thing is that Jesus came to take away the sins of the world and resurrected to give him new life. And that was enough for him that even if he had questions over here about all the different things of life, Faith is accepting what you cannot understand. By the way, we don't all understand everything, right? Everybody agree with that? Listen, I don't understand everything. But faith is accepting what you cannot understand on the basis of what you can understand. And that's what the Apostle Paul, or that's what Thomas realized. I want you to see two things here from Thomas. First, his doubt. Here's why we doubt, in my opinion. I feel like we doubt from time to time because of questions that we cannot answer. Or or how about this? We doubt because of situations that seem unfair or the injustice in our world. Or how about this? We doubt because of pain, maybe in your own life or in the people around you, that cannot be resolved. You know, these are just some ways that I think that we doubt. And, and here, you got to understand and put yourself where Thomas was. Up to that point, hope was lost. Hope died. And, and Thomas was discouraged by it so much to the point that even when his disciples, his friends, the people that were close to him, when they were like, hey, we've seen the Lord. We've seen Jesus. You would think that that'd be enough. You got these guys all around him, the guys that he had left everything and followed with him, the guys that that learned from Jesus, and, and they all walked with Jesus, and they saw the miracles of Jesus, all of them together. And then and they're all saying, hey, we've seen him. Thomas, it was incredible. We've seen the Lord. And you would think that would be enough. But here Thomas is like, no, I, I, need, I need to see him. I need to touch him. And then I will believe. For some of us, we need every answer to everything before we believe anything, don't we? I, I remember when I was growing up, um, my, and I've told you some of this stuff before, um, we did a thing at the church that I grew up in, visitation. And, and many of you have done visitation, right? And, and I'm not talking about visiting people in your church. We would do a thing on Saturday mornings um, where we would go door-to-door visitation right? And I know times have changed and stuff. We're in a little bit of a different world than where we were when I was growing up. And uh, so I know that's not as common, but I would show up door-to-door visitation. People I did not know, how many of you have done that before? Raise your hand, okay? A bunch of you, because you probably have been, you know, raised or you've done that as an adult. And so I would go with my dad, and we, I'd go as a teenager. And uh, so I would show up, and, uh, and you, what you would do is you would knock on a door, people you did not know, just a random neighborhood, you knock on the door, and uh, typically, you know, you'd introduce yourself, make them feel good, and, and, and eventually your goal was to get them, and this, every church kind of has a different way of saying it, but here's where I would eventually need to get to, and this is what I was taught, is if you could get them to saying, hey, if you were to die today, 
where would you where would you go? Isn't that a great question for a complete stranger? And uh, that's how I felt as a as a as a teenager. I was so nervous. I was like, how in the world? I don't know this person, and I'm all of a sudden just going to say, hey, I'm so and so. I don't know you. I've never met you before. But I want to ask you about, about eternity, and it scared the, the life out of me. So I'd get, a lot, I'd get real nervous, but as a teenager, they'd pair you together with people, and here's what they were trying to do, is they would try to teach me to do this, and, and I was scared to death to have these conversations. Now, I'd been raised in church my whole life. Like, if anybody should understand what to say, it should be the kid who'd been around it his whole life. It's all that I know. I became a Christian at five years old. If anybody has the answers, you're looking at them, okay? And, and so I felt like I'd be good. But here's why I was scared to death. is because there were several times where I saw somebody with me or I got put in a situation that I didn't know the answer. You ever been there? Like, like they, I, I remember one time they were asking me all about what hell's going to be like. And I was just like, I don't really know. And I just know that I don't have to go there, you know. It's like, but I don't know. And, and there were other things like, hey, tell me this. If, if God is on his throne like you say he did, is, like how in the world could a good, loving God allow, you know, these things to happen around us? And, and here's the thing. As a teenager, that scared me to death because I did not have the answers. I didn't have the, have the answers. And I'll tell you this. For a lot of people, they choose to not believe anything because they can't get a crisp answer around around everything how about this you know as, as an adult i'm a pastor now so as a as a teenager i didn't know a whole lot and so i'd get put in these tough predicaments now i'm a pastor and now everybody thinks i need to know everything i get asked all sorts of stuff bible questions theological questions you know leadership questions Shepherding questions, all sorts of stuff. And I, I, I hate to tell you, because some of you have been the other side of this. Like, I'm getting used to say, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> I feel very comfortable saying that. But here's the thing. For some of us, we doubt because we don't have everything we want answered in life. And that's what Thomas was struggling with. He, he doubted about these Things, but the solution to your doubt is believing in what you what you know. In other words, we don't have to have every tough question answered in your life. Some things we don't know, and some things God doesn't even want us to know on this side of, of heaven. And that's okay. But we need to trust and believe in what we do know. So Thomas, he he's doubting, but but I want you to see more importantly is the faith that he ended up having here in this, this story. The first thing about faith that we see here in our text is in verse number 28, that faith became personal for Thomas. Faith became personal for Thomas. In other words, all of his disciples were with him, and all of them had seen the risen Christ. They believed, but I'll tell you this, that was not enough for Thomas. That was not enough for, for Thomas. It wasn't enough that his friends believed he had to believe and he had to see it for himself. Let me tell you this today, that if you don't know Jesus as your Savior in here today, it does not matter what your parents believe. It does not matter what your friends believe. It doesn't matter what your teachers 
believe. It doesn't matter what your Sunday school teacher believed. Faith has to become personal for you. It has to become personal for you. You see, Thomas's belief, his faith, it had to become personal. And that's why he said when he saw Jesus and when he touched the resurrected Jesus, that's why he said, my Lord, my God. He wasn't just God to the disciples that had already seen him. He became his. Faith is, faith is personal. Listen, for many of you, you're just riding the coattails of your parents' faith. That's not enough. No, faith is a decision. And by the way, parents, don't force your kids to pray a prayer. I know, I know it's tough if you've got young children that don't know Jesus as their Savior. And I know that's difficult, and, and you're praying for them, and you're, you're hoping, and you should be talking about the Bible, and you should be sharing what Scripture says about Jesus, and that should be a regular thing in, in your life. But don't force them to, to do something, because faith has to become real to them. It has to be real to them. It has to be personal to them. That's what Thomas understood. The second thing about his faith is this. Faith is the believing in who Jesus is and what he came to do. Faith is simply believing in what Jesus or who Jesus is and what he came to do. I've said this, but I want you to understand the death of Jesus, it destroyed them. Jesus was the Messiah, and the Messiah was not supposed to die on a cross shamed with our sin, regardless of how it was prophesied. For the disciples, they struggled to believe when Jesus... I know we're easy to think, like, oh man, I, I know they were waiting around the third day chilling. No, we just saw that Mary was weeping, and the disciples ran to the tomb when, when he wasn't there, and the first thought that they had, someone stole his body! These were the same people that, that watched Jesus and followed Jesus and were around Jesus. They knew all of the prophecies, the Old Testament prophecies from the book of Isaiah. They knew all of this stuff about the coming Messiah and how he was going to be bruised and all this stuff. But even then, they still, when Jesus wasn't there, their first thought is, man, somebody stole his body, right? And Thomas had to, had to see him. You see, for them, the Messiah, when he died, hope was lost. And Thomas was understandably discouraged and asking some of the questions that we ask all of the time. You see, faith is believing. Saving faith is believing who Jesus is and what he came to do for you. You see, we, we try to make faith complicated. We make it tough. And for some of you, if you've been putting off saving faith and putting off trusting in Jesus as your Savior because you need everything answered, like why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why does this go on? How, does, how is this allowed? Why did, why did this person did everything right and, and, and nothing went right for them in their circumstances? And we look at all these things and we're like, man, I cannot believe anything because I can't understand all of, all of that. And the point is, here's what saving faith is. Saving faith is believing what Jesus came to do. And he came to rescue you from your sin forever and to resurrect, giving you eternal life. You see, that's number three. Faith here, it's, it gives us or it gifts us eternal life. I, I want to remind you, the scripture says that when you were born in this world, you were, you were dead in your sins. The only way for you to gain life is through 
Jesus through the resurrection and the life. You see, that's who he is. And for you, you're just dead in your sins. You're dead spiritually without Jesus. And when you place your faith, your belief in what Jesus has done for you on the cross and him resurrecting for you, you can move from death to life. John says, don't, don't ask me to explain it all. Just believe it. Just believe it. I can't, I can't you know, answer every single question that you have about this life. Just believe it. And here, I think it's interesting, after, after Thomas believes, and you can imagine all the other disciples, they're there and they're probably like, see, told you. Like we told you, Thomas, this is Jesus. And Jesus, he says to Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. And for a moment, Jesus kind of leaves, if you would, this immediate context with his disciples. He's standing there right in front of them. And in a way, he kind of looks to the future. He looks to you. He looks to to me. And and he's predicting for years to come what's going to happen. And here's what he says in verse 29. He said, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have you see, he's looking at Thomas, and, he, and Thomas had just you know, touched his, his nail-pierced hands and his side. And he looks at Thomas and the rest of his disciples who had seen the resurrected Jesus. What an incredible sight that would have been. He looks at him, he says, hey, blessed are the many people that are going to live one day. Blessed is Josh Evans, who hasn't seen me physically, but still believed, but still believed. And you can put in your name. It's like Jesus is is stepping out of his immediate context and prophesying. There's going to be tons of people who are going to read the the gospels and and they're going to see what Jesus has done for them. And they're not going to be able to see me physically with their physical eye, but blessed are they that have not seen, but yet they believe. So I ask you this today. Have you believed. Have you believed? Have you believed? I'm not, I'm not asking about your parents. I'm not asking about how long you've been in church. I, I hate that answer when, hey, tell me about your faith story, your salvation story. In the first, well, I'm in church my whole life. No, that, you can go to church your whole life and still die and go to hell. Like That does not save you. You can be in church seven days a week, and here's the thing. That does not save you. What saves you is your belief in Jesus and who he is and what he came to do. And here, Thomas, he he didn't have everything answered in his life. He had a lot of questions. All the disciples, they had a lot of questions, and they can't understand everything. And if you're in here today and you're like, man, I'm not going to believe. I refuse to believe because I am not, I I don't have an answer for every single question that all my friends have. I don't have an answer for for everything people ask me about salvation and about Jesus and and these kind of things. Then I'll tell you this, the disciples, they didn't have all the answers to every single thing that happened in life. But they believed the main thing. They believed what Jesus did. Think about this, Acts chapter 4. Peter and John. If you remember Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, they get arrested. And they're kind of thrown into this situation where you know all the, the legal people are in front of them. And they're on trial. Why? 
because they preached in the name of Jesus. And in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, same ones that, that saw this. John, you know, he's given an account for, for this. He was in the room when Thomas, you know, didn't believe and Thomas doubted. And, and Thomas was like, no, nah, I'm not, listen, I'm not going to believe until I've touched the nail-pierced hands. And, and they were a part of this whole thing. And then he shares his account. And, and here in Acts chapter 4, they're in front of all these people. And these people are educated. These people know a lot of things. And they're asking them questions that they cannot understand. They kind of probably get a little frustrated with them. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 20, here's what they say. Listen, we cannot. Here's what they're referring to. If you read the whole chapter, we might not have all the answers that you guys have for us. Listen, I know there's a lot of things that happen in our world. I don't understand. I don't get why you prayed for one thing and, and God chose to do another thing. Listen, I don't. I don't understand all of those things. And that's what Peter and John are saying here in chapter 4. We cannot, we don't have answers to all the questions that we have in life. But we cannot do anything but speak of the things which we have seen and the things which we have heard. It's like the blind man last week. Listen, I don't know a whole lot, but this one thing I know. I once was blind, but now I see. You see, here's the thing. For some of you, if you're doubting here today and you just can't, you know, get over the hump, faith is accepting what you cannot understand. Those difficult questions, faith is accepting what you can't understand on the basis of what you can understand. Listen, I don't understand everything, but I understand the main thing. And when you understand the main thing, you can trust God with the things that you don't know. You can trust God with the difficult questions. Listen, I can talk to anybody out in this world, and when they ask me a difficult question about Jesus, about faith, about our world, whatever, look, I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you this. I once was blind, but now I see. And so even though you don't have all the answers, have you believed? Have you believed? My, my challenge would be what Jesus challenged Thomas, don't be unbelieving, but believing. Don't sit there and leave here today and just leave in unbelief. Believe. Believe. It's what faith is. Faith is believing and accepting some of the things that we can't understand on the basis of what you can Understand that Jesus loved you and that Jesus died for you and Jesus lived a perfect life for you and Jesus resurrected for you. Listen, I don't understand everything, but I understand that. That's the one thing I can understand. And when you believe that, you can trust him with all the things that you do not understand. Have you believed? Can we pray together today? Heads bowed, hearts lifted in prayer. Nobody looking around. I just want to give you a chance. I feel like anytime you're working through the Gospels, you need to give people a chance to respond to, to salvation. And I know for most of you in here, possibly all of you, you've trusted Jesus as your Savior. But I, I do want to ask, nobody's looking around. Don't, don't be you know, looking around or moving around. Here's, here's the thing. I want to ask you this today. Have you believed? Are you a Christian? If you say this today, Pastor, I've never trusted Jesus as my Savior. I've never believed on Him. In fact, I've been skeptical. I've been doubting. 
And that's where I've found myself here today. If that's you today and you say, man, I've, I've just never believed before, would you be honest before God? Nobody's looking around. It's just me. Be honest. Anybody, anywhere, lift up your hand high enough for me to see it, long enough for me to recognize it. Anybody, anywhere. Awesome. Listen, then I'm talking to a lot of church people, a lot of Christians here today. And listen, we don't, we don't have all the answers, but the one thing that we know, and this is what Thomas learned that day. He still had questions. He still had things he couldn't explain. He, he had people probably talking to him like, didn't you follow Jesus? How, do you, how, do you, how can you reconcile this in your mind? And he's like, look, I don't know everything, but I've seen him and I've touched him. And I was there when he was crucified. And I was there and I saw him after he resurrected. Some of us just need to say thank you to Jesus for what he's done for us. Would you please stand with me? I'm going to pray. And if God spoke to you in any way, this altar is open. I know we don't have the steps here. You can pray right there in your seat or you can pray down here. Maybe some of us need to pray for somebody who is skeptical, somebody who's doubting, somebody who has questions and they just refuse to to believe on Jesus because they can't reconcile all these difficult questions of life. Maybe you need to pray for them here today. Father, speak to our hearts. God, be with those maybe loved ones or friends who are around us, maybe at work or in our family or our neighbors. And God, they they refuse to believe. God, I pray that you would use us to, to minister to them, to share the gospel with them here today. For it's in your name we pray. If God speaks to you, you come or pray right there where you're sitting here today. If you didn't raise your hand a minute ago and and you're in the unbelief, maybe today you need to come and believe on him. Jesus would tell you just like he said to Thomas, don't be faithless, don't be unbelieving, but believe. Believe on the good news that Jesus came fully God.